I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. So to revisit our purpose, right? Our whole podcast is built is built on this. Uh, Colin McCann is this uh, author who's written a lot of my favorite fiction books. Uh, and he had this, this advice to writers, which is that whenever he writes a novel, he knows what all of them eat for breakfast. Like even if they don't eat breakfast in the novel, he has in his head their breakfast, has a way of understanding who they are as people. And, but the second part of that is that he also knows what they wish they were eating for breakfast. So we've talked a lot about this in the Bible, like what have we tried to look at the characters? What do we think they're having for breakfast? We also know the reality that a lot of times it was barley bread mixed with some, some wine or some oil. Uh, we've talked about our own breakfast habits, but I don't know if we've ever talked about the, like, is there something you wish you had for breakfast every morning? Or is there some like dream scenario for you in, in breakfast? Right. So is, is the purpose of this, um, think experiment to say, who do you want to be someday? Yeah. Who do you wish you could become? If ever, if you had all of the perfect circumstances, what would you, what would your world look like? Yeah. I think in his, in his writing exercise, it is, it's to give insight, you know, which maybe, it, you know, you may just really want to have a really good burrito somewhere for breakfast. I don't know. Right. But is there, is there, is there something that that says about what you want out of life? Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I would say for me, you mentioned your friends who have the chickens in Fairfield. I want, I want the chickens. I want to go out <laughs> and um, pick out the eggs fresh that morning. I want to pick herbs from my garden to add to my omelet. I want it to be straight from the earth. Um, All right. So you want to like do some idea. of the work? Yeah. Yeah. I do some yeah. Of the what work. do you think that does that tell you anything about what you want out of being a person? Um, yeah, I think I, I like the idea of, of being involved in my life. You know, I yeah. feel like a lot of times the way the world operates today, we don't get to see that other half of where things are coming from. So it's, I, I like the idea of being able to take, take charge and to, um, be intentional with every, every, um, moment and everything that you're putting into your body. Yeah. I think they have found the farm, like a helpful way to be present, mm -hmm. you know, whereas there's we have a lot of things that keep us from presence in our world or that like just take us a million places just by looking at our phones first thing in the morning. Right. And I think it has invited them to just be more grounded mm -hmm. um, for sure. I believe it. What about you? I, I can't think of any actual, maybe because food is not like a great motivator to me. I don't, so I don't think of the food, but I think of the setting mm. um, that I just really want like a good porch someday. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't even, I guess it'd be great if it was attached to an actual house. <laughs> but like where I live now, it's just kind of like a, I ended up there kind of on a whim. I just had to move to Columbus really quickly. And so I ended up at a place that fortunately does have like at least some outdoor space, like a little porch thing, but it overlooks a parking lot. Right. You know, so I think I would want something that doesn't just overlook a parking lot. Um, so I think of the view. I don't want to have to do work. 
<laughs> in the, like I'll I'll hire you to come take care of the chickens. And I stuff. can take care of the chickens <laughs> and deliver them to the porch. Yeah, I just want the open space to look at. I think. I've, and what does that say? I think it does. Like I like staring off into the distance. You know, like and I, I find that to be a super helpful way to start my day. No matter what, if I'm having special K chocolatey delight or a bagel or whatever, I I need to start my like if I don't get to stare off into the distance for a little while, it's a hard. It's a hard day for me. Right. Yeah. It sounds like two different ways of meditating. Yeah, I think so. Either way, we both want to be a little more, a little more present. A little more there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and doing a little less of the like Pop-Tarts on the go life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's also like a good, we talked about asking that question to friends and coworkers or whatever, but I think that the next question is also good. Like, is there some yeah. dream way to start your day? Uh, I think a lot of people do that. Like they when they house hunt or whatever, like they imagine where could I have my morning coffee? You know, right. is this kitchen right for that? Mm -hmm. um, or is there a nook? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people are in search of a good, a good coffee nook. Yeah. And the question of what's keeping you from doing that is interesting too. Yeah. It's probably where the work is. Yeah. Cause sometimes it's not that far away, mm -hmm. you know? Um, all right. So we're going to get into, uh, we're looking at different stories. Um, some of them that Jesus tells, some of them that he lives and we've, we've talked a little bit how the Gospels are this unique combination of story and teaching. And we're going to look at two stories that definitely tell us a good deal about Jesus's character. And one thing as we get into this, we're going to get into a couple stories of healings, which we talked about a little bit in our first season. Yeah, that, we did. That we both have kind of, we have some skepticism around that, um, that it's hard for us as people living in twenty. 2022 2022 yeah. Hard to believe. yeah and that it, that's hard for us to imagine sometimes uh but this is a part of the stories of jesus uh and it's a, a part of the early church as well and i think what it does is it it forces us to reckon with this possibility that scripture presents to us that the gospels present to us is that jesus was fully human and that as we celebrate it over christmas there's this whole thing of of jesus being fully human and fully present with humans but also fully divine. Mm -hmm. And that somehow Jesus is both of those things. And so these stories kind of uh, help us reckon with that and pay attention to that for a little while. Because I always wonder, like, here's Jesus who, if he's fully divine, why does he still walk everywhere? Right. Like no teleporting, <laughs> floating. Because yeah. or... I think part of him being divine and part of him healing people is that he has some control over matter, you know, that he has some control over... Uh, people's bodies, but he, he also is, he's either self-limited or he's that human part of him takes over. So he doesn't fly off, you know, he doesn't fly to Galilee. Yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful that we get to see what it looks like to walk from one place to the next. Right. And, and it seems pretty key to the stories <laughs> is him walking. And food. Something seems key about that. Yeah, just <laughs> So many of the things are just bodies being bodies. Right. Uh, which we're going to see bodies being limited uh, in these stories. These are both from Luke 8. Uh, and they're side by side. It's kind of a story sandwich. Um, I think there's a technical biblical word that I'm not thinking of right now, but there it's a Maybe chiasm is the word for it, but either chiasm or story sandwich. Story sandwich is also uh, a possibility. So uh, I think we talked about this a few episodes back about only children's stories. Mm -hmm. So we run into one of those only children's stories here right away. There's a synagogue leader named Jairus who it makes a note of telling us that it's not just that his daughter is dying, but 
his only daughter. And as we said, Jesus is often extra compassionate to that um, because I think that pushes people's desperation. And it's worth noting, again, I think this is the thing we've talked about too, but how daughters especially were of very little value uh, because daughters actually in the long run would cost families money. Uh, even though daughters are valuable because they have children and all that stuff and because of you know, they're people <laughs> and they're valuable. But in that world, you would have had to like have a dowry and pay off basically for a man to take your daughter. Um, whereas a man could like a son would stay in your family earn, would work the farm and mm -hmm. could, could kind of keep the money, could keep the income going. Um, so first off we run into Jairus and uh, Jesus listens to Jairus' story. Again, he's moved because he seems especially moved by these only children's stories. And he's also moved that this man loves his daughter, right? In a, in a world where it's not a given um, that somebody would love a daughter the way that he does. Uh, so on his way to visit this daughter, uh, Jesus is approached. There's a whole crowd around him, right? So if he was going to fly, this would be a great time to fly. Because <laughs> uh, he, you know, I have this thing where I... I hate walking in a crowd. Oh yeah. So one of my sort of like, it's not quite a supernatural gift, but I do think it is a gift. It's just crowd walking. Mm. So like set me in a state fair or a festival and I am going to find the fastest way from A to B. Wow. With like, with as little human interaction as possible. Uh -huh. So I consider it sort of a gift. That is a gift. Um, I'd say so too. And so I would not be like Jesus at all. Uh, he gets kind of caught up in the crowds. Uh, so much so that this woman touches his coat. And uh, it's worth talking about this woman. She's in a situation uh, where she has been bleeding uh, for 12 years. In the it's way a long that, time. Yes. In the way that women do, except not monthly, but all the Don't time, stop. every day for 12 years. And it even tells us that she's at a point where no doctors could help her. Um, which I don't know if you've ever, have you ever had any medical mysteries? Uh, I, I've been really anemic for a okay. long time and it went un unsolved. Yeah. So it's very, <laughs> it's very close. Yeah. yeah. They didn't know for a long time and I was exhausted. From yeah. It. That's what I think is just how weak she must've been mm -hmm. and how kind of, but that thing where you've gone to doctors and they can't figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like I just had some, it was not a giant deal, but I had like abdominal pain and went to several doctors and did all the tests and I had a hard time getting a doctor to just listen to me. But you there's a certain kind of desperation. Like, I think when you go to a doctor and you do all the waiting and you mm -hmm. think, oh, I'm finally with somebody who might have answers that the internet didn't have. You know? Right. And you think, oh, somebody's going to hear me and they're going to help me. And to imagine that she sat in, I don't know if they had waiting rooms back then, but she for 12 years has like thought maybe this person can help me. Right. And has just run into walls every time. And so, um, in addition to that, it's like she also would have this stigma of bleeding mm. because in this world, like if you were a woman who was on her period or whatever, you would be set up like you were expected to kind of stay isolated, almost quarantined <laughs> for a while. Right. Which is the thing we now What's understand like? in a new way. Yeah. Uh, Ten days uh, by yourself. And so she has 12 years of, of feeling the stigma of being unclean, mm -hmm. of being Not frustrated. Fit. Yeah. And in addition to the actual physical exhaustion. Um so I hope she got to have breakfast, mm -hmm. you know, like maybe she had a loss of appetite. Right. Something to sustain her. Yeah. Or maybe she had to like load up and just try to get whatever food she could get. We don't have any mention of family. 
uh, in the story. So she may have been without resources. Uh, she might've been desperate. And I think a lot of times we, we're meeting people at desperate moments, like the people Jesus runs into the answer to their breakfast, their actual one might be nothing. Mm -hmm. Or we've talked about, it might be just whatever they can like scraps. And so the, what do they imagine for breakfast is actually maybe more useful of a question. Cause I imagine, you know, for her whose name, we don't know her name, uh, but I imagine she just wants a breakfast where she's stable, you know, and where she has some security. And so one thing we learned about Jesus, because he is fully human, fully divine, just his clothes have healing power. So uh, there's, a, of course, a ton of good gospel songs uh, about this. Sam Cooke has a good song uh, about this story. Um, what I think is is great about this, this story is that Jesus calls her uh, daughter. Um, and he says, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Uh, I just have always kind of loved that because after 12 years of isolation, I've had one week of isolation and mm -hmm. I'm kind of losing my mind. <laughs> so she's had 12 years of it. And to have him not just heal her, but call her daughter after she's been stigmatized for so long, I think that would have just as much healing power Mm -hmm. has whatever must have stopped her bleeding, right? Mm -hmm. So we see that the power of Jesus is in kind of helping people see who they really are. Um, meanwhile, back to the, the bread piece of the sandwich, he heals this woman. <laughs> uh, and then he's too slow because of this interaction. He's too slow getting to Jairus's house. And it tells us that this daughter has died. Uh, one sort of fun bit of this story is that Jesus brings Peter, James, and John in with him. Uh, so talking about uh, his true nature in the very next chapter, there's another moment that's just Peter and these three or just Jesus and these three. And Jesus goes up on a mountain and becomes like light, like this transfiguration story where he, he almost like pulls back the curtain of his cloak to show them that he's fully, divine. he's something else, right? And that he is the walking power of life and death. Um, and so he's able in this moment, he says, child, get up. And of course she does. Uh, and again, he's, he's doing a lot of things there. One is that he's bringing value to something that maybe not very many people thought um, was valuable. Um, but I've been reading this book by Paula Gooder. Uh, I think it's just called Bodies, which is a funny, <laughs> it was a funny thing to search for on Amazon. Bodies. It's just bodies. Just give me a book about bodies. Um, but one of the things I love in there is, you know, because... I think sometimes what our trouble with healing stories is that we don't really value physical bodies. Sometimes we take them for granted. Um, and so this woman, Paula Gooder kind of looks at some of the writings of Paul and at all of scripture and really makes a case for how holy bodies are. Hmm. Um, and I, I think it, it has helped me maybe appreciate the healing stories more because we live in a world sometimes where when people are sick, or when there's a pandemic, we just go, well, heaven, they're healed in heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we like fast forward to that. Right. Instead of seeing that our bodies has humiliating, humiliating and as weak and crazy as they can be are actually holy and good. Uh, I think we could probably use some more of that. Um, and maybe that's even like a good thing to remember at breakfast. <laughs> you know, our, our bodies are good. <laughs> our bodies are holy and good. And I, I think even that like, the, the hunger we have or the desire we have for something more than what we have in front of us is not always uh, wholly bad. Um, 
I think Jesus, I love in both these stories, I think I love that they're part of a story sandwich. One, maybe just because they, they both value daughters mm-hmm. and women. Um, but also because he gives these words to people who are hurting, who are defeated, who are maybe even dying, right? He, he says, daughter, you're healed. He says to the child, child, get up. And he gives them words to remind them of their identity. And then he gets them to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them, he says, to, to get moving. So I guess I'm, I'm feeling our bodies are a little defeated. Yeah, right? it's been it's been a couple of years. It's hasn't been it? a tough couple of years to be bodies. And so I guess maybe we're in this space where we need words. Uh, do you have anything that we, if you're ever in that moment, that desperate space, either the place where Jairus is or where the daughter is or where the bleeding woman is? Do you have anything that um, you go to to keep you going? I know the the thing that comes to mind is I have been really focusing on the um, we, we've talked about being present. I've I've been thinking a lot about being present in order to get through harder times. So um, taking taking 24 hours at a time has been of comfort. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I think that that could if we wanted it to be, it could be a gift. Right. That uh, those words that Jesus gives in in another gospel just take this day like this day has its troubles just pay attention to this day mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's hard because i know for me one of the things that keeps me going is a thing that's hard to find these days mm-hmm. like in normal times when i'm in that defeated space like my brain likes to go somewhere new yeah or to try something new fresh environment yeah fresh people. like some kind of refreshing thing and it's been harder to to find those things. So every once in a while, I just have to find like a cheat to that, you know, to drive a new route. Yes. Or <laughs> Driving is huge. Yeah. For clearing the brain. Yeah. Just to, or walk down a new street or just like, you know, maybe go to like a, a coffee place I haven't been or like to find some safe ways to still interact with the world and get some of that newness, uh, newness going. Uh, Cause I think that's what Jesus is trying to bring into these spaces. Um, is to remind them of who they are, to remind them of this old thing, and then to give them a fresh word, a fresh mm-hmm. word too. So I hope maybe some people use our podcast as maybe every once in a while we can hit a note where we can help people keep going. Um, I don't think that's an easy thing to do right now. And sometimes I think the thing that keeps me going is to just stop and admit that. Right. <laughs> it is to to recognize that. Like the thing that allows me to keep going is to say, it's very hard to keep going right now. And um, so maybe that's something that when we wake up in the morning, we, we do like a fair assessment. How are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. The victory is already that we are here today. <laughs> exactly. I love that. Yeah. So we all need that today. And uh, I appreciate that. Uh, reading Jesus almost always gets us to, to that place. Um, and going there with people who are hurting, I think, uh, gets us there even easier these days. So thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Translation. 